Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to the Science of Getting Rich podcast. I'm your host, Gerald Peters. Always remember, folks, whatever you think about comes about. Whatever you focus on grows. So, we're past Christmas. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big Christmas fan. I know a lot of people are, and I don't mean that in some bah humbug kind of way. I've just never been a Christmas fan. I think the thing I hate is how everything shuts down. Um, you know, and again, I, I like family and kids and I've always enjoyed being a father and, you know, I like giving stuff to my kids. Just something about Christmas that it's not that I, I didn't even have like some bad Christmas experience or, you know, I was raised by a single mom the first few years of my life. And then, um, I'm always hesitant to talk about some personal things like this because I think basically most people don't give a shit about your past you know i mean maybe if you're into someone like you're learning i don't know it i've always kind of liked to hear people's past because it kind of gives me context in the information they're giving me you know if you're talking to someone who's like save 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 don't invest in the stock market buy land and then you find out they they live through the great depression you know you got to take people events and circumstances affect people right and so as you're getting advice as you're getting advice keep that in mind i often feel like like wow i'm the last person that should give someone advice because i've done so many stupid things with money um and in the, in inside of that like dude i've done so many i know it may sound like i'm like oh do this do that and get your bucket like i'm saying all these things but A lot of this was developed because I didn't do that. Like I did that wrong. And looking back, man, if I'd have done this or if I'd have done that, this would have been the best thing to do. You know, now I didn't, I haven't done all of the dumb things you can do with money. There's a lot of dumb things you can do with money, right? First off, just spend all of it. (laughs) And man, I've done that. I've done some spending, man. I've, you know, I've gone to Vegas and, gambled and partied and I've spent money on myself. I've bought dumb cars. I've bought boats, RVs. I've done seven, what, $10,000 vacations. I mean, I, you know, not no God, not no damn Kardashian, but I've done my fair of dumb shit with money. I've overpaid for rental properties. I've literally done dumb shit with money investing, which if you invest long enough, you're going to do dumb shit with money. And the funny thing is, it's not even how smart you are. Because you'll hear me say this. Like, the smarter you are as a human being, <laughs> you may actually do dumber things. And you think, well, how could that be? Because the smarter we are, and the more we've come to rely on our own capabilities. And, and that's a positive, right? Like, just being a person who can take care of themselves is a wonderful thing because if you ever meet someone who's not capable of caring for themselves, it's the saddest of all, of all things. So that's wealth. Principle number one is being self-sufficient, right? That's a wealth in and of itself. Just being a person who can be left alone, dropped off somewhere. And it's like, look, you're a grown human being. You can maneuver. You got a credit card, you know, That's one of the things that I've taken a little bit of pride in with my son is he's so self-sufficient 
on some things and then other things it's like are you stupid you can't put metal in a microwave like you know like some things they know and some things they don't but on the balance of scales i'm more proud than i am not proud right and i from an early age have been able to take care of myself i didn't need look i'm dead serious my mom would tell me when you were like six or seven you did not need you didn't need a babysitter like if i told you hey just stay here and stay in the house and left and went to work when she came back i would be there and that is obviously not how you should raise a baby but Talking about a single mom here, dude, she had to work and she couldn't afford a babysitter. Now, part of me says maybe I adapted, you know, adapt and overcome. You know, it's one of the reasons that I did well in the army. I didn't necessarily like the army. Nobody likes getting yelled at. Nobody likes getting up at four o'clock in the fucking morning. No one likes, hey, it's negative 30. Let's go outside and play. Like no one likes doing that. I shouldn't say no one. Some people do. But you tolerate it for the other benefits that come with it, right? And then guess what? That that molded my character. Remember I talked about in the beginning, be careful who you take advice from because some of the people you take advice from, life and circumstances have molded their opinions and their beliefs, right? And so you have to kind of take that into consideration. You know, if you're talking about some new investment in technology, talking to someone that made it through the Great Depression might not be the person to bring into this. Maybe you need to bring someone that's kind of straddling both worlds that, that can talk about technology and understand the advancements and to get it, you know, so without being fearful of the public markets because they went through a bankruptcy or someone who lost everything in 2008 may have a different opinion of the stock market than someone who held on to their stocks, um, worked a bunch of extra hours to buy more shares and actually just went all in on America during when everyone else was freaking out did everything they could to accumulate more shares with the fundamental belief that over time stocks go up. That's what I did. And so I have a different opinion. I absolutely anticipate a common economic collapse. Collapse is a heavy word, right? That's a big word. Let's say coming economic troubles because the market move, there's a thing called the business cycle. Google it. Now, typically the books, the old school books, if you went and got your MBA or got a bachelor's degree in business, Probably even if you were an accountant or an economics, you know, we're going to take some classes that overlap, right? And inside those classes, they're going to teach you about the business cycle. And the business cycle lasts traditionally five to seven years. And it was kind of revolved around uh, uh, interest rates, money lending. When money's freely lend, guess what happens? People borrow it, take chances, open businesses. When they open businesses, what do they do? They buy materials, they rent buildings. They do fix-ups, remodels, they hire employees, they create economic stimulus. And we've all heard this if you've been alive long enough to go through 2008. And the government can do things in addition to controlling interest rates, make certain areas of the economy more favorable for investing. Because in every economic collapse or crash, there are people who have money. There's always money on the sidelines. Right now, there's lots of money just sitting in literal cash, waiting. There's lots of credit lines waiting. There's lack of equity in homes waiting. You know, what if a guy owns seven or eight houses and the stock market crash happens and in your area, real estate stays strong? Could that guy not then sell a house by double the paper assets that he could control in physical assets because he's taking advantage of the business cycle? He's buying when other people are fearful, right? 
And these are the events that I sit around thinking about. Like, this is what I need to level up. And so I, be, I played both sides of that game. I would buy physical rental properties, believing that in times of crisis, this, this will have more value than this in a fire sale. Maybe not over the long term. See, over the long term, one of the amazing things about stocks is it doesn't require anything of you. If you own a million dollars in Walmart, you're just going to get money like for the rest of your life. They're just going to pay you a lot of money just over and over and over just because you own it. Let that sink in. So what if a guy saves up twenty, thirty thousand dollars invested in Walmart? What happens in 20 years with that? It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars paying your family in perpetuity. You go to no meetings, no, no phone calls. You don't talk to any customers. You just had to know, take the knowledge and the risk and the chance, save up the money and put it into, convert it from cash into equity. That's all you're doing. When you invest, you're just converting cash into equity. People get it all weirded out, like their money's going somewhere and they've lost it. Cash is just a, a mutual agreement we have. $100 bill will get me $100 worth of services. And depending on how much you want the $100 bill, how much services I might get. So if you don't need money, you might say, well, I charge $100 an hour. I say, well, I only want to pay 50. Well, call someone else. I value my time at this price, right? Or my service or my roofing company or my plumbing or my restaurant or the meals or business, right? Business cycle. And the, and the government can spark these. Lower interest rates, raise interest rates. Well, when the government lowers interest rate, guess what happens? Money floods into the system. Money's cheap. So, so to borrow $1,000 might only cost you $1,000 and you know, twelve. $1,000 and $2. Like you might only have to pay like 20 bucks to borrow a thousand bucks or whatever. So I'm saying we, the percent is lowered. And so the cost to take on risk goes down. So what might you do? People who have good reputations or have credit lines or who can access it, often the rich or people who've been prepared or, or just anybody, anybody who saves up money and decides they want to get into that game can then, can then do that. Can do that. You know, what happens what happens to the kid or the person who had $100,000 saved in 2007, watches the stock market crashes and says, hey, man, I need to look into this. And then they read and they look in history and they say, hey, this thing always comes back. Like it's dropped 50%. Like maybe this is where I take my shot. And they begin to study and they find 20, 30 trophy companies, trophy assets. Assets that you could pass down in, for generations, perpetuity. Like you could just, these are just assets that are going to pay your family money forever. But people aren't thinking like that. Any of your friends talk like that? Any of your friends talk about this? Who's the last person that called you up and said, hey, um, did you know if you own one share of Ford, every three months they pay you 20 cents? I'd say, yeah, I knew that. So what if I got 10,000 of those? Yeah, you'd get a lot of money. Why is that not a conversation? But that's not a conversation among a lot of people. They're not sitting around thinking about this. They're not thinking about, okay, I want to accumulate five, six houses so that when the stock market crashes, I could take lines of equity against the house. The renter's going to pay it back. The renter's going to pay it back. And then I go buy these paper assets. And then when those paper assets improve, pull that money out, 
put it in my checking account, let the renter keep paying off the loan, and then I have the money still in the, in the market. And I begin to use one asset class against another. It becomes a portfolio. This is People do this for a living. They're called portfolio managers. They, they make money with money. Making money with money is one of the most awesome side hustles in the world. Like I think everyone should be involved in this game. But they tried to remove you from this game, and the game's been pitched to you as a 401k or, you know, hey, just send us, just send it to us over at Vanguard or Fidelity. These are fine companies, but this is what's pitched to you. You don't understand it. You, you can't get involved in this. The business cycle is way too complicated for you to understand that if the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, then the stock market goes down, housing prices go down. And if they lower interest rates, housing prices go up and stock prices go up. Like that's what happens until they change it. So what's in motion stays in motion. It's like first rule of my trading strategy. I have this book that I sell called the Money Flow Trading System. And the core philosophy of this strategy, and this is what people miss, and the reason they can't trade the system as well as I can, is they're not understanding the mental, physical process. They're not in the church of the money flow. Like, like this is a religion for me. Like, this is not up for debate. The fundamental principle of the trading strategy is not up for debate. And I believe in this, that markets move in four stages. They're always moving in four stages. But they trend also. See, the four stages don't necessarily negate the trend. This is where people confuse it. And they say, well, it's on a stage four decline. Okay, yeah. It, it, right now it is, but it's in a long-term uptrend. See, did you get what I just said? Meaning, housing prices can be going up and up and up and up and up and up. Oh, all of a sudden, for a short period of time, they come down. The trend is still up. Markets move up 71% of the time. That just became a fundamental belief. And you say, yeah, but what if it doesn't? I believe the markets move up. So I'm not entertaining what you just said. Here's what it allows me to do. It gives me rules and structures around the game. Here's the funny part. Even if what I said was wrong, do you understand by consistently doing the same thing over and over? that I develop a pattern. Repetition is the mother of skill. And it doesn't necessarily have to be true what I'm basing off of to change my life, to, to give me a system and a strategy in which to grow, right? Like truth doesn't have to be actually true to change your life. Now, I think it is in this circumstance. I actually believe the markets move, like I say. I, I literally see it all the time on stock charts. If you know what a stock chart is, it blows my mind. There's people who buy stocks that don't know what a stock chart is. They buy mutual funds and they've never understood what a stock chart is. And I could teach an eighth grader to read a stock chart. I could show an eighth grader how to trade my strategy perfectly, better than I could show you. Because as soon as I start showing you, you don't believe anything I'm saying. And then you bring in all your life experiences and the shit that happened to you, what your uncle told you. And what you learned in eighth grade and what you saw over here on television. Oh, and you watch the big short. So you think you can short without learning the fundamental principles of the system. And the reason people get so fearful, this is why it all works. Markets move based on two things, fear and greed. People are fearful or they're greedy. That causes the trend. When people are fearful, it keeps going down, 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 till what happens? There's nobody left to sell, man. Everyone who's going to sell has sold. Now what? That asset still has value, and we can go and determine it. There's ways to determine what is the value of a company, 
What is the value of a house? What is the value of a piece of land? What is the value of a boat or a car? It doesn't necessarily have to sell at that value. Meaning it could take time. Like markets get out of whack. The government comes in, they raise interest rates, they lower interest rates. And all of a sudden gold goes up $500. Why is gold worth $500 more this month than last month? What is the logical fucking reason for that? It's the same piece of rock coming out of the same place of ground. They were already digging there last month, but all of a sudden now, now it's worth $500 more than before. Where does that come from? Perception. Agreed upon perception, right? We've agreed that this is how we'll trade it based upon buyers and sellers. And so people get fearful. And what do they do when they get fearful? They run to gold. Why? Because they have for 5,000 years. It doesn't have to make sense. They've just decided that a protection, physical object called gold is valuable. Same thing with Bitcoin. Total fucking agreement. We've just decided to make this valuable. The moment we both agree this isn't worth shit, it goes to zero. That's how that works. So the moment a group of investors decide an entire sector is just not valuable, it goes down, 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 until it gets to a point where there's no one left to sell. And often, guess what? That went too far. There actually is perceived value. That's why it was on the stock market, right? And they went too far. And based because of fear and greed, because prices go too high and prices go too low, it causes the market to move like in stages. Goes sideways, breaks out, goes sideways, breaks down, goes sideways, breaks out. And so I'm just looking for that pattern. Now, I don't know that's going to go sideways up, sideways down, sideways up, sideways down. It's not going to do that. It's usually going to go sideways up, sideways up, sideways up, sideways up. It'll just keep going. Stage one, stage two, stage one, stage two, stage one, stage two. That's what happens in a bull market. And so I can read it. I have a strategy. I can look at it. And when you say, what do you mean stage two? It's in my book. If stage two doesn't actually exist, it gave me a framework in which to approach all stocks, all investments. And through the process of simplifying my buy and sales, of interpreting the world around me, of having this just this fundamental faith of positivity that over time markets go up. And I always say 71% of the time. Fucking sue me if it's 69, okay? It's a philosophy. If you don't believe that over time the markets will go up, you have no business buying stocks or trading. You have already lost in your heart and in your mind. You're fucked. And so you have to settle that. And so the people who don't invest in the stock market haven't settled that. It's like going to church when you don't believe in Jesus. You do that shit to make your mom happy. But when mom ain't there, do you go? No. And so you have to make this idea of making money with money religious and permeates all areas of your life. You begin to see the dollar exchange. So when I drop fucking $20 at the store, I literally gave up 50 cents a quarter in perpetuity for as long as my family lives. I could have bought a share of AT&T. When I began to realize that the units of wealth are fractal, whether it be a single fucking dollar or $10 million, they can do the same thing in the world we live in due to technology. So when I first started trading, it was $60 a turn, $30 to buy a stock, $30 to sell a stock, $60 to the fucking brokers. You're at negative 60 the moment you invest. Well, if you only invested $100, you see where I'm going with that? Imagine today. It's commission free. 
All you got to do is open a brokerage account. But you know why people don't? They're not in the church of the money. Like they're not in this. This is not a religion to them. When someone believes in a religion, you don't have to tell them to go to church. They get their ass up because that's what you do, right? And so until it becomes like that, this idea of making money with money, the moment you, because what you think about comes about, what you focus on grows, the moment you begin to